DB. I'm Danielle, joined as always by Brenton. Good morning. Or afternoon, or whatever it is when you're listening to this podcast. Um, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Thanks for joining us for our honorable mention this month as we take the opportunity to talk about a great film that just missed out on being on the IMDb's list of the best movies of all time. This month rated at 8.0 on the Internet Movie Database by millions of film lovers from around the world is Dances with Wolves. Released in 1990, starring Kevin Costner as the lead, Dances with Wolves is a western set in the North and South Dakota regions during the American Civil War. It's based on a novel from 1988 of the same name by Michael Blake, um, and it was written for the screen by the author, Michael Blake, and the film was co-produced, starring, and directed by Kevin Costner. It was nominated for 12 Oscars and won seven, including Best Director and Best Picture. I think... That's a pretty big deal to get so many Oscars because this was the same year that it was up against Ghost, Awakenings, Godfather 3, and Goodfellas, all for Best Picture that year. So for it to win, I think it was a pretty big deal in the early 90s. Yeah. But no one talks about this movie now. Like, it's very rare. Which is, I guess, weird for me because I grew up watching this movie just by circumstance. Right, so it was on TV a lot. It was on TV a lot. Um, my grandparents watched it a lot. Like, pretty much any time it was on TV, it was on our TV. Right. So, I, I saw it a lot, which I think is, like you said, an exception to the rule. I don't think many people know this movie, which is too bad, because I think it's a really great movie, which is why I suggested we do it as an honorable mention. This is one of those rare instances where... You've seen the movie several times, and I've never seen it, so usually it's the other way around. You saw part of it before. Oh, I don't count that. That was like two-minute scene. I don't remember any of it. I was right. in the. I walked through the room while it was on TV. All right. I thought you sat down and watched it, because I sat no. down and watched it. I refused to, because it, I knew it was a big, long epic. I, I don't want to watch a big epic like that without doing it justice. I like to watch it from beginning to end. Mm. So, so I was not paying attention. I think it was right at the end, too. I remember them trying to shoot the wolf. Mm. So what did you think? It was good. I like epics. This was a four-hour movie. Mm. We've had a lot of movies over the two-and-a-half-hour mark. We've had a lot over the three-hour mark. Very few have been close to four hours. And I'm just thinking, too, because we were talking about this when we were sitting down to watch this. I'm like, this is four hours? I thought it was three hours. The theatrical cut was. Was what? Three hours? Yeah. Yeah. Every time I've ever seen this movie, it's been the four-hour version. I've realized. So. I always like doing the extended editions, especially for this podcast, because I feel like it's the full experience. Mm -hmm. I don't want the cut version. I don't want the watered-down version. So every time we've done Lord of the Rings, we've done The Godfathers, we've done even Gladiator was the extended edition. We've done extended for every one of them, and I think that's the true way to experience a movie, right? That's just the way I like it. Well, because especially with this story, you would have been missing key elements and key plot sequences. Yeah, so what I was getting to was 
I like watching long epics, right? The ones mm. where you have to sit down and experience it. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And for something like this, which I think spanned over the course of nine months from the beginning to the end of the movie, because he says that he was posted there in April and by the end it's like Christmas. Yeah. So I'm going to say that's how long it is. The storyline of this really requires you to feel like you've gone on this really long journey and you can't do that with a short movie. So I thought that there would be more to this in the sense that, oh, that it's based around the American Civil War. Okay, so that maybe there's a lot of battle recreations or a lot of conflict or a lot of romance. And there's a little touch on every one of those, but it's really sort of the story about this guy dealing with loneliness in the prairie and his interactions with the native people there. So... To really yeah. understand his experiences the way that the, that Kevin Costner is trying to get you to experience, it needs to be over three hours. You know what I mean? And I kind of like that. I like sinking my teeth into this long movie. I like beginning a story and knowing that, okay, I'm on this journey for the next four hours with this guy. Well, and I really appreciated that once you get into the main story, like once he meets the Sioux people, that it's really not drug out. So... In the beginning, it is a little bit with him at his original post, and then he goes to the frontier, and then in the beginning of when he's at Fort Sedgwick, like, it feels a little bit lengthy there, but even then, I didn't necessarily feel like, okay, get on with the story. And that's maybe the first third of the See, movie. it's interesting you say that because I think this is definitely divided into three parts. They're not equal mm. length parts, but there are three parts. And that first part where he's establishing who this character is and he gets sent out to this fort and he's establishing his base at this fort. He's cleaning it up a bit um, and he starts writing his journal. I find that quite compelling because mm. some things are happening. Things are actually happening. I can see the progress. I can see his thought process. Um, I think the middle chunk where he's interacting with these native people, he goes back and forth between their camp and his fort, that seemed way too dragged out for me. Personally. Did, did it. Okay. And then the last last part where he goes back to the fort and there's people there, that's a little bit more sped up and there's a good beginning and end to this. The middle is probably where the theatrical cut cut more out, to be honest. See, and I think I quite like that middle part because I think that's really the guts of this movie. That's what makes this movie You're probably right. Important. Because there's a lot on the little interactions, the little cultural things mm. in there. Well, because really what this is about is intercultural learning and understanding. And that's that middle part of this movie is where that's all happening and really displayed very well. That's really what this movie is about. It's about the interaction between these two different people, mm. you know. It's a white Civil War lieutenant coming in contact with a Sioux village, its whole village. Mm -hmm. And just how... How he gets adopted into the village, yeah. Yeah, the differences in culture, basically. It's just mm. sort of the little interactions. So I do like watching that. And, and I feel like it needs to be a long epic to be able to do that, tell that story. I would like to think that this movie represents culture quite accurately. I don't know if it does. I don't know either. We spoke, we've spoken quite a lot on this podcast about Native Americans represented in film. Um mm. Probably the biggest one was on the movie Apocalypto, and I understand that that's the Yukon in Mexico, so it's not exactly Native American, but it's... The Yucatan. The Yucatan, yeah. What did I say, Yukon? Yeah. 
Yeah, I meant Yucatan. Very different part <laughs> very, of the world. Very, very different, yeah. Um, and we also spoke about them first on The Revenant, which actually has the Pawnee people. Yeah. Which, interestingly, the, the Revenant shows them in a very similar way. So I'm guessing that it's reasonably accurate the way the Pawnee people are displayed. And then again, we had uh, interesting talks about them on One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. About who? Uh, the native people, because um, there was actually a surprising oh, an- right. amount of um, overlap between Run Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest and, and the Revenant, which you wouldn't really think about, would you? Um, Do elaborate, please. Cause- I don't remember, but I, mem- I remember there was like three or four things that it was actually very surprising that they hit the same notes. Okay. Well, I'll have to listen to that episode again. Yeah. I don't remember specifically what the conversation was. Uh but if you'd like to know more about what the hell I'm talking about, go listen to those episodes. So my point is that we have spoken about the depictions of Native Americans in film before. Mm-hmm. Even in The Revenant, we have a conversation, because Jessica was on that episode, about how the Pawnee has a, a painted hand over his mouth. Mm-hmm. And you see that quite a bit in this movie as well. And we were yeah. talking about what that, what that symbolizes. Uh, anyway, I think that they're represented quite accurately. I don't know about the Sioux people. I'd like to think that it's accurate. I don't know how well it was received by the Native Americans at the time. Yeah, me neither. And I don't I don't even really want to comment on it because yeah. I just, I don't know. Yeah, we're just uneducated. That's fine. Yeah. In terms of my experience, so I grew up around a lot of Cree people. Not that I want to group all North American indigenous people into one group, but based on what I saw and what I learned growing up, I mean, I don't think it was far off. I think the issues I would have with saying, oh, this is accurate or it wasn't, uh, comes down to the nuances of the specific Sioux yeah. culture, because I, I don't know anything about Sioux culture. Yeah. So, yeah. I do like Apocalypto, and I said this on that episode, that that movie has a lot of humanity to it. There are gruesome, violent parts to that movie, but it shows what these people are like in their everyday sort of day-to-day business, you know, what, what mm. the structure is like and how they are in their leisure time, which I hadn't really seen in film. I think Dances with Wolves does that very well as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I made a note that I think that Apocalypto does it better, but I made that note probably a third or the halfway through. I think they're equal. I think they show it pretty mm. good to show what they're like in all elements. Because other depictions, like me growing up, it's like they were only ever seen as warriors, you know? They're seen as violent people with bow and arrows and all the rest of it. Mm. You never really saw them as family people in villages. Uh, And I like it when you actually show that because they are just people, you know? They had a very strong family culture. And I Mm. want to see that depicted accurately. And I think Apocalypto and Dances with Wolves both did that. And I like that. The language sounds very similar to the language that they used, just because of the way, the, the way it's spoken. I know it's not the same language, but it sounds similar, which you would imagine. You mean between, like, Mayan language and Sioux language? Yeah. Eh. Kind of like comparing Spanish to Italian, I guess. They sort of sound similar to an untrained ear. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen a lot of movies, and there are a lot of actors that I've definitely heard of and I understand what movies they're in, but I've never actually seen their work, and Kevin Costner is one of those. I understand, Mm. like, I could name seven or eight movies that he's in. I've never seen any of them until this, you know? So Kevin Costner is a big name, and he definitely was at this time. 
Um, actually, I think we watched Untouchables recently, where he was in that gangster flick with Sean Connery. What? Apart from that, I've never seen a, a Kevin Costner movie. Um, I just thought that was interesting. People like Ethan Hawke, uh, Gene Hackman, Sean Penn. I've never seen their movies, even though I'm aware of what they do. I quite like Kevin Costner. Yeah? I think, like, of what I've seen, I think he's a good actor. I think he's a great director. I really yeah. do. Um, I think he's just good at what he does. Yeah. And he picks good stories to tell. Mm. Actually, you know who else falls into that category is Jennifer Lawrence. Never seen any Jennifer Lawrence stuff. We watched Red Sparrow recently. Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing I've ever seen Jennifer Lawrence in. I've never seen any of the Hunger Games. I haven't seen Passengers, Joy, none of the Silver Lines Playbook. Nothing. She's fine. Well, I mean, she won an Oscar for Silver Lines Playbook, so I'm sure she's good in that. But I just think it's interesting that there's a number of actors that I could name that I've like, I know what you do, but I've never seen your work. Anyway, Kevin Costner falls into that for me. Do you actually know much about the Civil War? What what was actually going on? I thought it was well, it was the war that ended slavery. Yeah, I understand that. And that's but, that's all I really ever understood about it. Yeah, I never learned American history in uh, yeah. in school or anything, so I'm not really sure. We learned a little bit, but like that didn't have anything to do with Canada, so we never learned about that. You know what I mean? We learned. Was it the Confederacy versus the U.S.? Because the southern part wasn't part of the United States, was it? No, it was. It was. I don't know. I I was just wondering why is this post out in the middle of nowhere? It wasn't even anywhere near the front line. Yeah, I don't know. It wasn't really established as to why he was sentenced to this this area in the first place. Or why there were already people there. Yeah. Yeah. It it just seems like really far away from wherever he was before. Um, and what, what the hell was with that crazy officer guy in the beginning? The major. I have no There was no, no idea. point of that. He was just this crazy guy. Who, like, you meet him and then five seconds later he shoots himself in the head. Okay, so was Kevin Costner's character meant to be posted with him? And it was just a misunderstanding and he was sentenced off somewhere else? I think so. And I honestly think what happened is... So this guy, he didn't rank higher, but he... Major's higher than lieutenant. Yes. But I don't think it's much higher. There's lieutenant, captain, then major, then general. Yeah. Well, no, there's others before There are general. others, but those are the main ones that they talk about in this. Yeah, so I think he was scared that he's like, fuck, I've been sitting here with my thumb up my butt trying, you know, basically making it happen. I think probably what happened is he was really scared that this guy was going to take his cushy job, Kevin mm. Costner's character. So he's like, I'm going to send you out into the middle of fucking nowhere. So is the point of his scene just to, like, say all, like, the fact that he's out there is a mistake. Like, all of this was kind of just on chance. Yeah. Hmm, okay. Yeah. Um, well, I want to talk more about the interactions and things that he has with the Sioux, so we're going to get into spoilers now. Are you okay with that? Mm -hmm. Yep, sounds good. Here is your spoiler warning. So, were the Indians... In their own civil war at the same time? Like it was Sioux versus Pawnee, or was that just like an age-old dispute between the tribes? I think there were always different tribes who got along and different ones who didn't. Mm. Um, There was a confederacy of 
different tribes in the east, but this is like the Midwest. Yeah. So it could have been just villages against other villages. I think it it's the same kind of thing as like why were the English and the French always mad at each other just yeah. because, you know. Yeah. And I like how it's shown that there's actually a big difference between the people. Um, one of them was thinking about Kevin Costner's character and they were thinking about what to do with him and strategy and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the other one just said, I wanted to kill him. Yeah. Like they just went and killed the guy on the on the wagon. Um, and I kind of like that there's, there's sort of this difference there. Mm-hmm. I do love watching them interact for the first time. Like the very first interactions with language, it seems realistic the yes. the barrier that they're having with each other and the use of body language yeah and even the first time he tries to speak english with stands with a fist it seems realistic kind of interactions and not scripted mm-hmm. and i kind of like that because they're they're really interesting to watch and i feel like that's how it would go in this scenario well it's impressive because she looks like she's struggling and having a hard time and she's scared yeah. and nervous. And the thing is, she's a, like, as an actress, she's an English-speaking white woman, mm. you know? Um, I thought she got the accent down properly. I think she got the mannerisms and, like, the reactions just right. Like, I really quite like watching her performance in this. I think she's probably one of the best performances in this because mm. she has to be uncomfortable a lot of the time and i think that's hard to act you know she was nominated for best supporting actress for this she didn't get it no that's too bad i can see like i think she deserved that nomination she lost out to Whoopi goldberg in ghost okay it's surprising that her character has such a wide vocabulary back from when she was like seven or whatever the hell i think it's like anything like, it might take you a little while after you hop on the bicycle to get your balance, but you never really lose it kind of thing. Mm. There's so much to this movie, and I f- really feel like we're just doing the superficial scan of it. Yeah, well, I'm just trying to give out my initial impression of this movie that I've never seen. I'm not trying to dissect its cultural meaning or its context or anything like that. Like, this isn't a a study into film history or anything. No, but because I picked this one as an honorable mention, I want to convey why I think it's such a good movie. Because I really do think it is, and I feel like I'm just not. How many times would you say you've seen this? Oh, I don't fucking know. Lots. (laughs) All right. Like, lots. I guess what I want to say, like, why did I want you to see this? Because I think it kind of made a bit of a big splash at its time. It talks about a topic that I think needs to be talked about more. And it depicts culture and humanity really beautifully. Yeah, this is definitely the kind of movie that's up my alley. That slow build epic that I really like to watch. Uh, that looks into things like that, that really shows off depictions. I don't really always want like a hard and fast kind of thing. Mm. So I can see why this deserves to be in the top 250. And I think it just missed out. It's 8.0. Um, well, and, like all of the acting in this is very good. Yeah. You know, like, you know how sometimes when you watch a DiCaprio movie, you get caught because you know you're watching DiCaprio? Mm. I felt very immersed in this movie. I can't really make that comparison because I haven't seen any like Kevin Costner, so I don't know if he's just playing Kevin Costner or he's he's really getting into it. 
maybe I'm biased, but like, just take it as as a surface at first glance. And what would you say in response to that? Do you think you don't know whether he's just playing Kevin Costner, but regardless of that, what did you think of his performance in this? He's fine. Yeah, he's he's kind of morally neutral. Leaning towards mm. positive. Um, for your protagonist, you don't really want to watch an asshole, and you don't want to watch a goody two shoes. Like most of the time, particularly in like I don't know Disney cartoons and things, your protagonist is sort of a neutral guy who doesn't know a lot. He represents the audience, so that when he goes into this interaction that he's not familiar with, we can adapt to putting ourselves into that character's shoes. It's just sort of the way things go, and I kind of like him. He's he's reacting to these things very similar to how normal people would react to these sort of things. And I do like that. I do have to say I quite like his development because in the beginning he's very, the army's good and the army's going to come through for me and I got to fulfill my duty to the army and, you know, patriotism and honor. And Yeah, I feel like that's a reflection on what these guys really were, particularly lieutenants or higher. That's the, their yeah. mentality. But I like to see as time goes on, it's not like he has like an eye-opening moment, but it just kind of gradually falls away. Which I think it would. Exactly. And I, I appreciate that. Like nothing, nothing in this feels forced. It all feels very natural. Yeah. The progression, the interactions. The, the Sioux people are obviously depicted as the good guys. Mm. And the army is sort of the villains here, more mm. so than the Pawnee. And I kind of, I can see an argument for that, but I don't like the way that it's depicted where you come to love and respect the native people, but as soon as he goes and interacts with the soldiers, again, they're all just like ignorant idiots. But I think both sides are guilty of not understanding context, of yeah. being overly brutal at times or merciless. I don't think one is better than the other. They're just different, and they're both products of their times. Like, the very first time you really see this is the buffalo interaction. Yeah, now, I, wanna, I was going to bring that up. I want to talk to you about this real quick. Bear mm -hmm. with me while I go on a bit of a monologue. So what happens here is the Sioux people are looking for the buffalo for ages, and they can't find them. They've been gone for weeks. Eventually, they find them, and they come over this ridge, and there's dead buffalo everywhere. There was dozens of them. They're all been skinned just for their hides and left the rest to just rot and waste. And as soon as you see that, it hits you in the gut, the way it does to Kevin Costner's character, the way it does to these Sioux people, mm. because you realize how much of a waste that is. And I completely understand that I read books and stuff on it when I was a kid about how the native people would use every single little element of the buffalo. There was no wastage whatsoever. Mm. They were extremely resourceful, particularly when it came to that animal. And then you go over the ridge and you see thousands and thousands of these buffalo. And the very next scene... You see these people hunting down the buffalo and killing their own to, for the meat and to get their hides themselves for the winter. But I'm just thinking, like, if you're really that resourceful, why, didn't, why wouldn't you just go use the dead buffalo that was there already instead of killing more? Like, and then, and then that night, you realize that they've gone off and killed the hunters. They've skinned them, they've scalped them, they've chopped them up into little bits, and they're celebrating on their corpses. And I'm just thinking, like, they're both depicted as being a product of their own time and culture. I just think you're trying to make me feel like these Sioux people are the good guys and we should be on their side, 
when how is what you did any better than what they did? I don't blame them, and they were sentenced to death in a very brutal way at your hand. Well, and what I was saying was that you look at the situation from two different lenses, and on the one side, you've got, like, how could you possibly do this? Like, how could you not understand that, like, this is a transgression against the creator and against the spirit of the buffalo killing of the buffalo yes yeah and it's such a waste and like you that basically that it's something that you just don't do however if you look at it from the perspective of the white americans their culture didn't think like that Mm. you know it's that you go out you get what you need and that's just what you do i mean i think i think it is a bit stupid not to use the meat personally yes but the the idea was, like, they weren't contextualized and they didn't grow up in a context where that simply wasn't done. Yeah. So I said, you can't really put any blame on either side for this misunderstanding because you've never had any interaction. That's my you know? point. I think that both sides, both the natives and the white people depicted in this whole movie, I think they're sort of equal in the sense that both of them make misjudgments, make misunderstandings, and don't understand their context. When you're trying to make me lean towards the to respecting the Sioux people more, when I really think it should be equal all across. And this also is seen later on when Kevin Costner goes, he's shown the sacred lands. He says mm-hmm. that even the Sioux people's enemies realize that this land is sacred. This is where all living creatures begin life and then they spread out across the plains. You know, this is this, everyone understands this. And you go there and there's these timber structures, they've cut down trees, the white people have killed animals, they leave garbage everywhere. Yes, and that sucks, but they don't know the context of the sacred history here. They don't realize that's the equivalent of a church. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yes, you shouldn't be wasteful, but you can't really blame them. And I think what the takeaway message is here is that you need to go for interpersonal, intercultural understanding from the word go so that you don't have these issues. Because they, they... That's difficult. It has you know been, what obviously. I mean? Well, yeah, but I mean, it's just like people getting mad because they're like, they're these heathen, you know, savage people who have no morals. Yeah, because they're not, they weren't raised according to your morals. You know what I mean? And you would understand that if you made a point of looking at each other as people, you know what I mean, right from the word go. I think the whole movie, like, of course, this is a huge issue that's been an issue for indigenous people and colonizing people everywhere since the beginning of friggin' time. So, like, I realize that, and I'm not trying to say, oh, if you'd have just done this, like, I realize it's not that simple. Mm. But I think the whole point of the movie is to say, like, this is what happens when you don't make that effort. Yeah. This is what has happened and this is why it's important to make that effort and to strive to have that intercultural understanding so that we don't have these issues. Right? Yeah. I just feel like the movie is trying to make me hate on the white people that are depicted in this scenario when I think that the natives have also done things just as bad. They both have their positive and negatives. Like, within the context of the movie, sure, but to kind of take a step back and look at it real life, like, who really got the short end of the stick in history? Yes, no, I I completely understand that. I'm just talking about the movie here. And we spoke about that on the episode on The Revenant, because Tom Hardy's character, he's depicted as the villain because he wants to leave Leonardo DiCaprio's character, Hugh Glass, to die because he's been mauled by a bear 
But I kind of agree with him in that scenario because they're out in the middle of nowhere. It's costing them time and resources to try and keep them alive. This is like the 1820s, you know what I mean? That movie was set. You're trying to create a villain here when I think the thing is He's just being practical. His, yeah, I think the. <laughs> yeah. And later on, he's seen more as a villain, and I can completely understand that. His, his character changes a bit. But we spoke about how his character there is also just a product of his time. Don't blame him, blame society of what he grew up as and what he was told, you know what I mean? And that's probably what Dances with Wolves is trying to it's say. It's trying to do, It's yeah. the bigger thing, yes. I'll, I'll admit that. It's definitely the bigger thing that they're trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. That buffalo scene just sort of it annoyed me, though, because immediately after they had a go at the white people for killing the buffalo, they go out and kill the buffalo. Yeah, but I honestly think, like, I wouldn't... You don't know how long that's been sitting there. Well, they do, because the the tracks were right there. They saw that the white hunters were just over the hill. They were just leaving. That's how they managed to keep catch up to them and kill them. They chopped them into pieces, which also is like, eh. I don't know. I don't know, Brenton. These people, like, they're not vulture people, you know? Like, there's a reason you don't eat roadkill kind of thing. Mm. I don't I don't blame them for leaving it. Okay. You know? Yeah. I just think that you can look both sides at, at both Absolutely. sides here. Though that particular issue, I wouldn't have touched it either. So okay. <laughs> that's just me. Um, no, I wasn't really talking about expecting them to eat roadkill. I just didn't look like the movie was depicting them as the good guys. And in the very next scene, you see them with their scalps on their spears and all the rest of it, which is quite brutal. Like, mm. are you? I don't know. It raises the question, and I like that. Yeah. At very least. Mm-hmm. Also, how do you not end up hurting Buffalo in the filming of this? Because there's, like, some really brutal scenes with the Buffalo, like, getting shot and tripped over and... I don't running know. Running into things. Yeah, I don't know. Because it all looked real. Yeah. Having a clue. Obviously, the dead Buffalo, you could have stand-ins and stuff, but... Mm. Also, I feel like those animals were too small. Mm. Because, like, and maybe that was, was just movie angles. Big. Well, no, because it made it look like when they were on horses that they were taller than them. You'd be taller, but not much. Mm. Buffalo and bison are fucking huge. They are I feel enormous. like they're roughly the same size of a horse, but really fatter. Yeah, they're like they're like if a horse was an armored tank. Yes, kind of thing. Yeah, they're huge. They're yes, they really big, so I just felt like, I'm like, they look too small. It might have just been camera angles. Um, I really liked the hunting scene, though. I like the scene. The buffalo one. Yeah. The night before he goes and interrupts the dance, he runs yeah. out into the plains and he's like, I'm like, you you can hear all this stuff. It's making your house shake and your initial instinct is to run out into the mist where you can't yeah, see run anything. Out the stampede. Yeah. I'm like, Okay. Um, but the actual hunting scene, I thought that was really good because, like, a lot of the cinematography in this is very immersive, and I really mm. like that. So that scene in particular, you know, camera's shaking a little bit, it's rough, it's very fast-paced, and you're, it's a little bit confusing, like it would be. Um, probably another good example of that is the war scene, when they're hunting right the, the Pawnee people. Oh, that one. Yeah. I don't know. I just think Costner does a good job with his stuff. I do like looking at the progression with his character because you go from these these interesting pantomimes 
and this interesting try to understand like each other's language to him completely knowing the language later on and understanding the culture to some degree um and he's completely been accepted into these people so it's kind of like a span of six months or so where he's able to do that which is very impressive he's got a wife you know Mm. i do like watching the progression with his character yeah apart from his character there's not a lot else that actually happens i don't think like it's four hours of him dealing with the prairie (laughs) but that's the whole point of the like that is the story right yeah like, I don't think it was meant to be much else. It's meant to be, like, what happens with him. I mean, the the, the movie is his name. Yeah, it's just you a know? simple look into this guy's nine-month journey through interacting with these these native people. So I really quite liked it. Um, I Like I said before, I like the, the epic journeys that we go on, and I like watching the interactions. I haven't seen much depictions of these people in film before. I don't know much about them. So even just looking at the little things, like how they do their hair or the clothes that they're wearing. These um, people being the Sioux people or North yeah. American Native people? I just, well, Sioux people, I guess, specifically. But I don't mm. know much about North American Native people in general anyway. Mm. I liked it. I liked it too. I like this one a lot. It's it's one that, honestly, I don't mind watching over and over again. Which is interesting. Yeah, why is just because, like... It's not heavy. It's a nice one. You can just chuck on in the background. Yeah. Yeah. It's surprisingly not heavy. It's not. That's my point where nothing yeah. else a lot happens. There's not, like, big conflicts or anything like that. There's not, like, a big resolution or anything. Um, there's minor ones throughout. There's minor conflicts. There's minor points of interest. There's not one big thing that happens. And it is kind of this lighthearted journey for four hours. Well, and like you said, you can just chuck it on in the background. That's how I saw this movie yeah. all through my childhood. Was, yeah. yeah, so that's totally been my experience of it. Yeah. No, I, I really think it's an important movie in the same way that The Revenant was an important movie. I think it's a good movie, aside from being an important movie, because you can have important movies that suck. You know, like... <laughs> yeah. which sucks. That, yeah, like, like Pearl Harbor. Yeah. That's a very important movie that fucking sucks. <laughs> Whereas this one, that's where you get learning. Because as much as I hate to admit it, like a lot of what people learn about important events and history comes from media and film. Yeah, I don't so, like to admit that as well, but it's the truth. It is. So if you're going to make a movie about it, at least make it accurate and make it compelling so that it sticks. And I think I hope this one was fairly accurate. It definitely did a good job of being compelling. We spoke a lot about that and the way history is depicted throughout the Saving Private Ryan episode. That one's over an hour long, and we're talking about how World War about, II. I was thinking about 1917 and World okay. War One is what I was yeah. thinking about, too. Yeah. It can be seen on many lenses, but if you mm. want to listen to us talk more about context and things like that, um, it goes into the Saving Private Ryan one. That's a good one, actually. Mm-hmm. It's not always a good idea to get your education from movies. But I think if you use that as your jumping off point, that's not the worst thing ever. Yeah. Because it allows you, like, we learned about Omaha Beach in school, and it really doesn't mean anything. You're like, oh, it happened on this day, and there was a battle, whereas you actually see what happens in Saving Private Ryan. 
And that scene has gone down in history as knowing that it's the most accurate depiction of war in film, particularly yeah. over Mahan Beach. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I don't know. Pick your battles. And pick your, your sources and be yeah. critical if you're going to use film to inform your knowledge of history. Yeah. Open to question it. We have been Danielle and Brenton this week. Thanks for joining us. Feel free to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on all the socials. We're most active on Instagram. You can also follow us on Facebook or comment on SoundCloud or YouTube or support us on Patreon. And until next week, thanks for listening. Oh, next month's honorable mention, I would like to announce, uh, is another one that you have seen and I have not, and it's from the early 90s that um, you have picked for the honorable mention, and that is Primal Fear. I actually have no idea what it's about. Ooh, that's going to be good. I haven't seen it all the way through, but I know it's going to be good, plus I like 90s Richard Gere, so let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. I'm pretty sure Ed Norton's in that too, hey? Yeah, I think he is too. Fuck, he's good. He's really good in it. No, that's going to be a good one. We'll see you then.